and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, swearing with a side of vinyl, and for some reason I'm doing my NPR voice this evening. As always, it is Nick Cameron of the St. Louis radio station KWMU, of which I have been featured on twice, joined by a man who's sweet, savory, and always smooth, Keefe Cheesesteaks. How are we doing today? Steaks. I'm okay, man. I'm okay. I'm okay. How's it going? I'm good. It's been a better week. It's, you know, it's when you move, it's stressful on several different reasons. And our move has been protracted and awful and still working and still smiling because you know what? Got to have a good mind. Got to have a good mindset, good frame of reference, blah, blah, blah. If you are new to the channel slash podcast, whatever, uh, thank you very much for coming in. We are talking about the Motley Crew. Today is girls, girls, girls. But before we get to that, we've always got our little departments. Uh, the logistics of the show always goes the same. Greeting, silly nickname, how you doing? So we already did that. Next is the beer check, then the vinyl check, news of the day, meat of the day. So I am going to beer check. Today I have one of my favorites, a squatter's double, I'm sorry, squatter's brewing Hop Rising Double IPA. I had one of these out of the six pack. It tasted a little funny. Hopefully it wasn't a bad batch because I had an, another bad batch of beer this week. Terrible pour. So we're going to let that sit before we get to it. What you got for me? While I'm doing my beer check, I want you to check your audio levels on the device, on the Zoom device. <clears throat> I have a beer. I only my, again. I had my first beer back after the Rona last week. I have not had another beer since. I'm having my second post Rona beer now. A beer I have never had before. Uh, G Wagon Oaked Lager. Uh, this is a super interesting beer. This is uh, right out of here out of uh, San Francisco, California. Local Brewing is the brand. It's just called Local Brewing. Pilsner Beach Smoked Malt Flaked Maize Toast Riced. With Sterling Bullet Oak Chips. I don't know what that all means. but Louis- got, Oh, oh, they did my idea for a bourbon barrel IPA. Or a bourbon barrel. Where what they when they brewed it, they soaked some chips in bullet bourbon. Right. I was going to do that Oaked for a homebrew. Yep. Yeah, this is a Pilsner, not an IPA, actually, right? Or are they all IPAs? I don't remember. If it's Pilsner, uh, it's not an IPA. Okay. And so this is a 4.2 alcohol by volume, so it's crushable, air quotes, crushable. This one uh, is 8%. It's got a 2 on the hop scale, so it's not that stanky. And a 5 on the alcohol and 5 on the complexity. There's a rating on the side, and this can mm. is also done by a local artist, who I will tag on the, the grams and the Twitters. But local brewing company, let's put it down and see what's up. Did you check your, your levels? Uh, <clears throat> yes, I turned it up a little bit. Good pop. This is my Lost Coast Brewing Glass. Let's see how I pour. It's always a fucking crap shoot. Mm. That's why I use big glasses. It's about the speed. Oh, this might be all right. Well, neither one of us is bartending here, so I wouldn't worry about it no, too much. No, but I just like I pride myself on, you know, a perfectionist in all things. So look mm. at that. Not a bad pour. I Good like pour. light color of this beer. Normally my beers are blonder or a little more beech wood. This is a that little is, Hold blondie. that up a little bit. That is very yellow. It's uh, healthy piss yellow. <laughs> now it's totally inviting and delicious. <laughs> I can't wait to drink this piss yellow beer. Thanks, Nick. 
You're welcome. Uh, the, and my beer does taste a little funny. I am going to blame it on the excessive heat we have had in St. Louis this summer. We uh, Normally, we get about 100, 110 for a week, week and a half, one big snap. Uh, so far this year, up until this week, that has been summer. <clears throat> so life has been awful in this veritable hellscape. But yesterday, the world cooled us down by giving us nine inches of rain in four hours. That is uh, more rain than we usually get in both July and August. So yeah, so just uh, the hops just didn't hold up. This isn't, it's still good. It's, it's just not the same uh, hoppy, velvety, malt backness. It's uh, also an 8%, it is not crushable. I have uh, my backup beer this week is a Session IPA, which from Pithead Brewing, which I believe is an Aldi's brand. 12 bucks for a variety pack of IPAs that are pretty darn good. Now, help me out here. Educationally, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm neither a scientist nor you know a, a beer expert compared to you. Is it like because of the heat, all the beer in the region of St. Louis is ruined? Is it like you're gonna go somewhere special to get a beer that hasn't been tainted? What do you do about this now? I am just guessing. This is just this is an educated guess because I have had two beers that um, are, are like 99.9% flawless every time, unless they're expired. Uh, I did. I bought a four pack of my favorite beer, STL IPA Stalipa by Urban Chestnut Brewing, which I have drunk on this podcast many times and will drink many more times because it is delicious. But it it was not expired because I always look after I got the expired one and it just it didn't taste right. It tasted like it tasted like this one hop slam my father in law had that was expired. A super hoppy beer, if the hops go bad, if they fade out, if you wait too long, it's just nasty. I did drink all four of them, and I don't know what that says about me. So, oh, I do. It was $10 for four of them, so that was going down the hatch. But, uh, yeah, so you got a vinyl check for me this week? Yeah, I do. I'm making up for my missing vinyl checks, and so... I have two vinyls today. We're going to go different extremes of the musical spectrum, and uh, I'm pretty excited about both of these. Uh, First and foremost, we have Gorgoroth and the Mm. great album Instinctus uh, Bestialis. Sorry, I was like, I can't read this font on the back that's like archaic. Yeah, that is Um, is just metal. That's just metal in a nutshell. Just metal in a nutshell. Can't read shit. Um... Can't read it or can't pronounce it. One of the two. This is kind of a compilation record, I think, from Mm. 2009 to 2014, but it's got some good shit on it. Uh, This, I believe, was another Gimme Metal vinyl subscription release. I think I had, did I have, I have another one I did, not on our show yet, but I, this is like last month's, I already have this month's. Um, And look at this gorgeous creamsicle orange translucent-ish vinyl not quite that translucent but it's i have uh i have an album by junior bruce that's that color nice and then completely on the other end of the spectrum because what in the actual fuck 16 biggest hits of dolly parton motherfucker because dolly is metal as fuck i was waiting uh, for you to drop uh, uh saturday night fever there I hate the Bee Gees, so fuck no, never. Stop trying to make me talk about them. 
I was hoping that you were, you were going to say, I've had my come to Jesus moment. I have no. seen the light. I'm staying alive. This is my Jesus right here. If I was going to convert to a higher power based faith, it would be Dolly. I would pray to the Dolly Parton instead of the Dolly Lama. Um, Hey, this no judgment. Was, I, I pray to the Dolly Partons as well. This was occasionally, this was a record store day release a few years ago. This is remastered from a previous greatest hits mm -hmm. from the original tapes. So you got Here You Come Again, 9 to 5, Jolene, Islands in the Stream of Kenny Rogers, I Will Always Love You, Code of Many Colors, The Seeker, uh, you know, Heartbreak Express, Love is Like a Butterfly. And then she's got a couple of duets, Ricky Van Shelton, Billy Ray Cyrus, Tanya Tucker, Kathy Matea, Mary Chapin Carpenter, Pam Tillis. So collector's value in terms of just having all the hits and a few other gems, rare gems. And, of course, comes in my favorite color, a vinyl, you know, all the purpley everything is my favorite color. So we got these gorgeous, uh, would be approved by my mother, <clears throat> who lived in purple. Look at this bad boy. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And Dolly is awesome, so I have a Dolly a dolly not the dolly or any of her classic records but i thought a greatest hits is a cool thing to go with the right price oh so the uh give me metal subscription is like 26 dollars a month including shipping the dolly was uh i'm gonna say 17 not and, bad not uh, bad i was on the hunt for something else and i picked dolly over a lot of other something else's because they didn't have exactly what i want and sometimes i get fixated on a thing and if i don't find exactly what i want I pick the next nearest thing that pleases me. I apologize for my wiggleness today. I uh, cannot get my shirt to lay right to make me look attractive. And so I'm staring at myself going, oh, God, you got moves. And I don't want to see those. And I, no one else wants to see those. Well, I, but I also got my hair. I got a bad hair day. Uh, my hair's thinning. So it's just I'm just but I'm. But you have an angelic chiaroscuro light behind you from the window that you probably yeah, we're, put some shades up. But yeah, it's fine. Well, I mean, it was supposed to be the the jerseys were supposed to be lower. Oh, okay. Uh, by um, the way, we are randomly matching with our Marvel Universe shirts. Just oh yeah, on, shirt check. On on not part of the plan, but we have been matching a lot lately. Just Happens you with frequently. your incredible Doctor Strange shirt, and me with my mighty Thor shirt. I just saw Thor I, Love and Thunder. I wore this when I saw uh, Nature G. And I can never remember the name of the band. God rest him. He died by suicide about four years ago. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Um, I can only remember yeah, his name. I, I can't remember I, the yeah, name. Nature Gungbali from yeah. uh, brutal. He was a friend of mine. I used to hang out with him in Brooklyn. Um, he was a good dude. Put on a great show. I saw him. I saw him play with uh, Felix Martin. Sure. And I saw it's, that. Too. Uh, felt bad for him with um, what is it? The Hun? The Hung? The no. There's there's another band that basically came yeah, and usurped. I don't want to say usurp. That's not fair. I just I, think I think what happened is he passed away, and kind of this other band came in, and you know, listen, publicists, their job is to hype. No, I know, I know. I'm not. So, I, I let me let me rephrase because they. I do not believe the other artist. They're not remotely. They're not that similar, except they're of Mongolian descent and they play sort of world music and metal. That's right. the that's the similarity, but they actually don't sound anything alike. Yeah, Nature G did throat singing, which was they, very. The other band unique. does too, and I mean, other bands. High Lung is not. They also do throat singing. They borrow from other cultures. I won't, you know, certainly not appropriate. They borrow, but like, uh, right. it's unfair. I think it's there are many other world music bands 
that are doing something like this, Bloody Wood in India, Voice of Brace It, Pot it just Indonesia. happened that they came, because when I first heard of them, they'd only had a single out, and I had friends of mine telling me about them. Sorry. And I'm like, oh, well, have you heard about these guys? Who I cannot remember. Yeah, I'm so, because it's embarrassing. It uh, is embarrassing. And I think I've told this story before, and I couldn't remember it then either. Major G. Um, I can picture the album cover. Yeah, of course. I have the records. Like, it's, you know, insane. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is... What a, what a fail this is by us. Oh, Tanger Cavalry. Cavalry. Yes. They, they put on an amazing show. I was happy to see them. It was a very strange night. He, uh, he, he rose to quick acclaim. He did a bunch of covers in his own style. Uh, Megadeth famously shared their video on their channels. Like, they were so overwhelmed by this unique, you know, everybody has a straight-up cover of everything. And he was mm-hmm. just a very singular, interesting guy. We spent many times, we saw him many times locally. We hung out at Duff's Alcohol Abuse Center in Brooklyn when I lived a short ride away. He was a sweet guy. He was a nice guy and a talented dude and, you know. It's unfortunate that he's getting relegated in history. It's not this other band's fault. That other band has overcome insane hardships. That other band has persevered and done really well, and their music is great. It's a publicist's job to be like, groundbreaking, never heard before style, when it's not true. And they know it's not true, and they just write what they you know they write what sounds like appropriate to promote their band and correct and as they should. Yeah, and and, and it's nothing against this band. The band you're talking about is the Who H U. Yes, that is it, the Who. And um, they probably sing about Huns, but not the Hun and (laughs) Attila the Hun, perhaps. But uh, you know, they have they have a new record coming out. I wish them all the best. I I look forward to seeing them again live. I miss my friend Nature. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, like, the shelf can only hold so much, dude. I am Correct. inundated with bands on a daily basis. I am working on my weekly news show to video to shoot. I am just inundated with material. I and... always feel really terrible when I can't remember a band's name. Yeah. And I feel bad when I can't remember a song. I remember I was covering Chapo. They were playing a show at the Rip. No. I don't even remember the name of the damn place. It came, it went. Baroness played there. It was about the size of this room. It was awesome. Great little place. Saw another artist there whose name I can't remember that I was reviewing his show. And I reviewed his albums too. Paul Collins. Paul Collins. And um, he's like, you know, I, I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know. I reviewed the, the album. I really liked it. He's like, oh, that's great. What's your favorite song? And Butcher of um, All Father asked me the same question. What's your favorite song on our record? I don't know. That's not how I do it. I don't, to me, it's one, I'm not reviewing songs. I'm reviewing this. So, and I can't even remember what records I have. I definitely was in a record store and bought a probably triple of a thing I already have. So I'm going to figure that out and send it to you because I'm stupid. Use Discogs. I do, but they don't have an app. So it irritates me because I don't don't enjoy looking up websites and logging in from my phone. I want to have it in an app that's served to me. Why don't they invest in an app? They have plenty of money. They, they take a got, piece of every sale on their site. They have yeah, they, they get, they get uh, I think, 15% of every yeah, sale. That 15%. I so. That's a high number, sir. 
So that's higher than that's higher than Bandcamp. That's nuts. I know. I, I have they should a, have money to hire a developer to build an app for their site. They've had enough money off of what I have given them in the past three sure. months. And and I don't mean uh, an app that takes you to the website. I mean an actual app that works. Correct. Now, before we spiral out of control, can we get on no, we're track? Not. We're not going to spiral out of control. Okay. And I, can I, may I do my vinyl check now? Please, please, please. I was only going to check one, but now I feel like you've called me out. So I have to respond. It's call and response. So I started <clears throat> off with, I finally spent my, my Father's Day gift card. And I couldn't think of what I was going to buy. I was thinking about getting uh, the Kiss Reunion uh, off the soundboard series from Donington, Castle Donington show. I think they chose that one because Beth wasn't on it and they're fighting about Beth still. So, But I was waiting for that to come down in price because I didn't want to spend like crazy money. And then I kind of got drunk one night, probably after a podcast. It was a Saturday night and I bought Ace Fraley greatest hits live it's not donnington but it is basically all kisses this has uh, a couple of tracks from this the show where they recorded live plus one it's also got a bunch of songs recorded from live plus four and then it's got the two tracks that were on the ace fraley greatest hits basically it's it's the live tracks from the Ace Fraley Megaforce Greatest Hits Records, because each one, 12 picks and loaded deck, were six studio, six live. So this is all of those, plus the two, uh, plus the two uh, leftovers, one plus one, which was the dumbest song Ace Fraley had ever recorded until Bronx Boy. It's been downhill since then. But it hurts no. so much because I am also a Bronx Boy. It really hurts. And is that song any good? Is that album any good? I got roasted on several forums for my review of that because it's just <clears throat> god awful. Uh, it's also got Give It To Me Anyway, the other Richie Scarlet sung tune. And I enjoy Richie Scarlet's vocals, especially back then when he wasn't crazy on stage like he had been in the last final years with Ace. When I saw him twice, I don't know if he actually played the guitar on stage, which is unfortunate because Ace can't really sing and play. So then you have Richie doing like Jesus Christ poses and putting a fake gun up to his head during Love Gun, which makes perfect sense. Song about your dick and you're feigning shooting yourself in the temple. So, I mean, that, that's, that's good. Probably wasn't doing heroin between songs. I can't say for sure. But the man was an entertainer. He also did a song with Peter Chris that ended up blowing up and people lost a lot of money on uh, buying the vinyl singles of that because Kiss fans will buy 18 versions of one thing and then complain about, oh, there's too many versions. They're bilking the fans. And I'm like, buy one. You are the problem. You're the problem, not him. The problem you is keep, you. You keep goes. Yeah, you keep buying, they'll keep selling. Now, in order to go to the other spectrum, which I am changing spectrums here. We have season tickets to the Muni, which is the outdoor theater in St. Louis. And it's not a local theater. It, it, you know, we bring in people from Broadway from all over the, the, the country to, to perform in these shows. We bought season tickets this year. The first show we saw this year was Chicago. Not a big fan myself. The, the family really enjoyed it. So I bought the soundtrack to Chicago. And all these are all black, nothing really to see. Uh, the Who is in this one? 
Cheetah Rivera is in this. And we also have Cheetah Rivera on Bye Bye Birdie. Cheetah Rivera is amazing. She's still alive, still kicking. Still alive. She's a tour de force. And she is also... I think she's on the original. That's... I think she's on the original cast album. So I don't know if that's what you have. That's what it is. It is the original so cast the, recording. The original uh, Roxy. She's the original yeah. Roxy in, in Chicago. Uh, she's a treasure. I saw her once. She was amazing. I have not I, seen her. Probably yeah. never will. We yeah. uh, we are Broadway yeah. fans on the Glacially Musical podcast. Weird metal and swearing. There's going to be an episode where we do Broadway. And I unapologetically, no fucks to give. Oh, completely. Broadway. Yeah, completely unapologetically. I don't know how serious we'll do them, like if we do them like we do these records or what, but there will be a Broadway series. We may go back to the 50s and bust out the golden age of Broadway, and then I'm going to pop out my, my Avenue Q record as well. So There are some modern musicals that are fantastic, including Hamilton and Rent, but yeah. Uh, yes, Rent, Book of Mormon. Which I've not seen. I've only heard the music. Same. I need to see it. Uh, I've seen Hamilton. Uh, we saw it at the at the Fox this year. That's and cool. It was amazing. Uh, the they did the same thing where they had the same people playing the same part. So you know the guy that played Jefferson also played Lafayette. It was not as good as the original cast Lafayette. That guy was well. He's incredible. He's an yeah. Incredible. He's a net. Yeah. He's a great rapper. He's on TV on Snowpiercer and movies. He's incredible. He he is a national mm. treasure, and I'm already up to my second beer. Already, pop that open. Uh, Eat all the beers me. for this Motley Crew run. Sorry about oh. picking three. Picking my ears, ringing. I filled yeah. up my beer already. This beer is delicious, by the way, and very light. I could drink three or four of these. I think if I was out in a setting in public. Well, there and you this go. This can is gorgeous. I think I might rinse it out and save it. I have a little collection of cans. It's well, there you go. Those rock band cans, but uh, we are going to do something with that soon too, right? I'm sure we will. Now, we're going to do an all-beer episode of just rock beers. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, fucked. we'll probably have to do that one on a weekend. Hey, um, for sure. Now, I don't have a whole lot of news to discuss this week. I just haven't really been paying attention, quite honestly. Yeah. What I did notice today, though, it is, it is the 20... Is that right? No. 16... 38th anniversary. 38th anniversary of... Metallica's and Metallica's Ride the Lightning, same producer, same studio. So you can't blame me too much. Um, and I mean, that's it's amazing to think about how much time has passed as that's come out because I still think of the Black album as the new album. I still think of Justice as just a couple of years ago because I'm old, I'm dying, I'm getting decrepit. So it's when I think about that album, I mean, that album now is older than Leave it to Beaver was when I was my kid's age watching Leave it to Beaver reruns. And thankfully, we still have the band. They are still going. They have slowed down considerably because they are in their 60s. You know, there is nothing wrong with where they are at. They have done it all. They've climbed to the mountain. I am hoping we can get a couple more records out of them. But I think one... And then a few more years of touring, and I think they're probably going to call it a day. Very reasonable to assume that. I would like, selfishly, after the 40th last year, I was like, they're up to 41. Maybe we can make it to 10 more years for 50. But, like, I just don't know. I think especially James is probably seeing the end of the rainbow. 
and they've done everything they can do. What else can they do that they haven't done? There's no more mountains to climb. They've climbed them all. Well, you um, have to remember just how hard it is. Their job is not as easy and glamorous and as wonderful as you think. So indeed. Um, after, it, yeah. after this long, I could see where they would need to say, you know yeah. what? It's time to just. And I'm going to ask you if you still, you postulated during our Metallica series, you postulated they will not even do a farewell tour. They're just going to call it a day and be done. Yeah, That's I, 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 I Metallica is not that kind of band. They are not the kind of band. I think they've been doing the farewell tour this whole last 20 years is the farewell tour. Like, this is the farewell tour. They're not a band to milk something. They are, you know, we all know how old they are. They're not going to make, they're not going to get the Rolling Stones deal where they can go out and just kind of not really play it. And on top of that, you've got, you know, much younger dudes in the Rolling Stones backing up. You know, you know, when Metallica ends, it's going to be four 65-year-old dudes up there. Hmm. Well, playing Robert, sp- but not Robert, but yeah, he's a little younger than them. But you're playing speed metal, I mean, yeah. right. um, not that speedy. But uh, I no. will, I will just finish with this on this note. They released because of the popularity of Stranger Things. This is how, this is how Metallica is still a unique band that does things no other band can do. So this Stranger Things, they knew about it for a long time, but they could not have predicted that Master of Puppets was going to chart the song, the album. Worldwide chart. I'm talking in the pop charts on Spotify, on the top ten Apple Music charts, and on the Billboard 200 in the top whatever. The album and the song, unheard of. Because of that, this has only been this hype has been what two three weeks. Correct. They turned around and put out an animated music video for Master of Puppets today with one of the greatest video directors there is. I did see that that was out. I did not watch it. So you can watch it at ghostcoldman.com. But uh, I'm just. I was spending it. my time listening to Girls, Girls, Girls again. Me too. Because I, I listened back to the Department of Mental Antiquities from this past week and I couldn't remember a fucking song mm-hmm. after listening to Getty Lee three times in a row. Oh. Yeah, that album did not strike any chords with me at what all. What album? Uh, Getty Lee, my favorite mistake. Okay. Um, Completely forgettable. It was forgettable the moment the song was over. We'll get to crew in a second. I have one news item and I'm going to keep it brief. There are many news items, but this one is mine. I could have picked, there was a plethora of stuff. A lot of albums are being announced and dropped and new singles and videos of a lot of things. The one that surprised me, I, I this is going to be weird and interesting. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Since we give them a lot of grief on this podcast, I thought I would give them a little shine without the grief. So they put out an album. Uh, I'll bring the grief. Don't. They, the whole purpose of this is not to. Uh, Unlimited Love is a double album they put out earlier this year. They are currently on a world tour supporting that album. And on the first date in North America, they announced from the stage they already have another double album coming out in a few months. Because what they did was they unfortunately reconnected with Frusciante, brought him back into the band, dismissed Josh Klinghoffer, bummer. He's going to be fine, by the way. Kid is yeah, he's, paid. He, he, he got paid. He got well paid the last 20 whatever years in Frusciante's place. He's an Eddie Vedder solo band that's only going to keep getting bigger and bigger because it's Eddie Vedder. And um, they wrote a whole nother album with John and put it out and already put it out and already have vinyl. Oh, it's out already? Well, I'm saying it's they put a song out. Oh, 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 oh. They played a song live. 
I think the single is coming out Friday as we record this today on our usual Wednesday, Wednesday. And so they already have, I'm just saying like in terms of being prolific, they had written a whole record with Josh that they pretty much threw away a lot of and just started writing immediately with John and put it all to tape and put it and put that out. Um, I think there are people who have pre-ordered that record that still don't have their vinyls, and they're already putting another record out. So I just want to tip my hat to a band that is around for almost 40 years, putting out two double albums in the same year, with basically a new old guitarist who's only been in the band again a year, less than a year. That is, that's a great point, and I am not a big Chili Peppers fan anymore. Once uh, all the songs started being about growing up in California... My my ability to relate to these songs ended. Uh, by the way, is probably the last song they did that I, I really connected with. And but I love hearing about these. I don't want to call them a legacy band, even though they've reached that level, because they never stop making albums. You know, when I hear, you know, when I, friends of mine spend thousands of their own dollars to make records that aren't selling out stadiums and arenas and amphitheaters every night. They have an itch to create and make something. And then I see bands like, I don't know, the the kabuki-clad gentlemen who say, oh, we don't make enough money from it, so we're not going to do it. And then, so I am going to applaud the Chili Peppers with, that, with no grief for continuing... Yeah, make records, and that's and, that's, big and they're making records whether we like them or not, whether they connect with the fans or not. I think they have a built-in base that's going to buy whatever they put out anyway. But they are to hear them talk about this new record that hasn't come out yet that they played a brand new song of live that I thought was from what I could hear decent Chili Peppers material. They're passionate about it, so that's amazing. They gave Flea and Kiedis gave two two-minute speeches about the new record before they played the song. And they were like fantastical, transformational, using giant ass words, big SAT words. Um, and I think that's really cool for a band at this level, doing it this long. It's already in the Hall of Fame. There's also no more mountains for them to climb. Correct. They can't climb. Their whole they world are... tour is pretty much sold out, and the tickets are astronomically like Paul McCartney expensive to go see them in a, in a fucking football stadium. They are the biggest yeah. punk rock funk band that there will ever be. They are the only punk rock. Well, they're not the only, but they're one of the only. Um, you know, they are the Metallica of the punk funk rock scene. I guess. I don't really think it's a genre as much as other people. I think it's just alternative rock. I don't think it's really. I'm just being genre. silly. Yeah. They, but they're the, probably the biggest alternative band out there right now. That is completely fair. That I mean, yeah, because Foo Fighters are pretty mainstream. And I can't think of anybody else really uh, that has the same power. So, Correct. Yeah. You know, hats off to them. Glad they're still going. Glad they're still creating. Glad they're still alive, frankly. And Yo, they've lost some people along the way, including my main man, Hilal Slovak, who I was obsessed with in high school as much as I play bass and love Flea. Mother's Milk was my shit. Um, and obviously that's the record after he passed. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I... Just... Well, I'm still waiting for them to reunite with uh, Dave Navarro, which... No, they should not. It was, they it was, should. They shouldn't. It was a bad idea. He's not. The record's good. The tour was was amazing. I saw the tour. He wasn't a good fit for them for a lot of reasons. But they played. I saw them again three years later with John, 
And they didn't well, play anything the John but John that you Tukes. got in 1998 or nine is not yeah. the John from 91. And the John today is not the John from 91. He's a completely different human being. And he is uh, he, he's a whole vibe. I'm just going to leave it at that. He's a whole vibe. Um, cheers, Chili Peppers. Two double albums in the same year. I just have no words. Whether they're good or not, I have no idea. Honestly, it doesn't matter. I doesn't tried matter. to listen to Unlimited Love. I think I got through about a quarter of it. I didn't. I was like, I can't listen to this. It's not for me. I will also say it, it's worth pointing mm-hmm. out Metallica also continually puts out double albums. This is a band that's put out what ten double albums in a row. No, I don't think yeah. that's fair. No, going back to Justice, Justice, Black, Load, they're Re, not, no, Garage. Not, no. Yeah, they are. They're not double albums. They're double albums on vinyl. They're not double albums. They're less than ninety minutes each record. Whatever. A double album is sixty. A double album is 60 plus. We can argue about this another time. I'm going to say Metallica's put out like four double albums and they're both, two of those are the symphony albums. Garage Inc.'s the third one and Load and Reload, they consider one whole album. So that would be your Those are 78 minutes each. A CD is 78 minutes. That's why. Right. Yeah, they they filled the seat. That's a double album. Yeah. Hardwired is not. Death Listen, Magnetic is not. St. Anger is not. No, they're not. They're okay, well, we'll fight this tomorrow. Well, you want to, you probably want to go come fighting. I thought we were on a time pinch. You want to get through this? Not really. I still got, I mean, I got 45 minutes. We haven't no, even gotten you, a Molly Crew yet. I thought you had so, to get done. No, to me, a double, a, a double album, I'm sorry, is 65 or more. <clears throat> what is an album? How long is an album? That depends. Like vinyl just came back into fashion the last decade. So an album is an still al- to me 78 minutes. An album is no. A CD is seventy-eight minutes. That's how much fits on a CD. An album is forty-five max. We'll t- we'll take this offline and talk about it another time. Maybe make a whole episode out of it. All right, we'll, we'll fight. Maybe that. we'll do a poll on Twitter right now after this pod. Um, okay. So anyway, Molly Crew, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there are times in this series when it's been all right. And then there's girls, girls, girls. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. So I don't have any like backstory on this one. I can tell you this much. Nikki Six is on so much Heron. His dingly doo don't function no more except for, for, for Tinkle Tinkles. So the joy department is without joy, according to Doc McGee in the dirt. They have just sold 4 million copies of Theater of Pain, which... I have a lot of questions about how that happened. They had just sold 4 million copies of Shout of the Devil, which I am here for that. They had sold millions of copies of Too Fast for Love, which I can understand. May not be here for it, but I can understand it. Now we get to girls, girls, girls. So, Nikki, again, Nikki is on so much heroin that a band so famous for debauchery cannot debauch. <clears throat> right i think nikki i think uh vince is sober at this time or no. trying to be not yet no it was theater of pain okay so accounts vary i am right at which her... point it, i'm sorry at which point i was taking a sip and i had a thought uh yeah he was supposed to be sober that was part of his parole and settlement for theater of pain however while they're on tour the dudes are walking up shooting up in front of him uh, pouring beer on their own heads, going, hey, Vince, hey, Vince, while they're smashed on stage. So, yeah, um, you know, because they were mature and, you know, supportive. Right. Um, Good dudes. So you read the heroin diaries. 
I haven't read that one. You should. It's eye-opening. Uh, Nikki's a wreck in the in the heat of it during this record, which I'm going to say is funny because the way the way he talked about it, if he was sober, he was like the co-producer on all the records, so he was super hard on Vince. And you can hear it from record to record how high he was because of the quality or lack thereof of Vince's the recordings. I'm not talking about the temp, his quality of his singing. I'm just talking about like how polished the takes are. Mm-hmm. And we know that Too Fast for Love doesn't necessarily have the most polished of takes. They didn't have no money. They didn't have no money. But <clears throat> Girls, 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 actually, Vince is not the worst thing about the record, which is shocking. Because um, no, it's, the it's, worst thing about Motley Crue. It's actually Nikki. It might be Nikki, but Nikki also wrote almost the whole record and all the lyrics on the record. The lyrics are that's, weird, like that's why it's Nikki. I'm also gonna say another thing is so we got we've had this evolution of this band, which I find fascinating. This kind of like proto heavy metal, Motorhead, rock, heavy metal, classic, almost American version of new wave of British heavy metal. On the, first, on the first couple of records. Then they do this kind of like soft, hard rock record. In purple. Glam glam rock. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they weren't, you know, they come up in the glam scene without being because glam. Because that's L.A. Because that's L.A., yeah. Right. But they weren't glam until everybody was, until everybody started right. doing like the, the darker. Then they're like, oh, no, they we were, don't do that anymore. They were trying to be darker and harder and rough. Than rougher than everybody else with the face makeup, and then everybody else did what they did. So they, as a reaction to that, reversed. And I get it strategically. I understand why. I don't know that it worked. Uh, certainly worked in that sales department. <clears throat> and so, but here's the real kicker that we're gonna get into with this record. They kind of changed gears again. And you know that Nikki loves David Bowie. So he likes the idea of a shifting, constantly shifting the plate tectonics of the music, if you will. Those are the bands I love. The ones that shift. Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Jimmy, Metallica, Pink Floyd. You know, the band Rush, the bands where it's not ACDC. Genesis, the bands that keep shifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if know, they do find it right. some, They find some, yeah, they do it right. Then there's the, the bands. Gabriel, that... Madonna. There are other people who cannot do it. But, um... Correct. So here's the fun thing, though. So on this record, I don't know if... It, now I'm going to ask you your opinion. Go ahead. They made a stylistic shift yet again. This record is none of those things we just talked about. And this record is more aligned with Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and Black Sabbath in terms of just heavy rock and blues. Correct. Than anything else. Probably less Black Sabbath than more Led Zeppelin. But like that No Black thing, Sabbath. A little. There's some riffs in there that I think are interesting. But like there's... It's a hard rock record with a deep blues influence all the way through. It's it's like if Poison had done a Led Zeppelin record, it would have sounded like this. Basically, if Poison did a Great White instead of Great White. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the fun thing now. Do you think this is a reaction to Smoking in the Boys Room becoming a huge hit and somebody was like, do that? Or do yeah. you think they just... Also, I'm going to say having played in bands, when you devolve back to the blues from being a, like a complex heavy metal prog band. I'm not saying like a bluesy solo or a bluesy section. When you do an entire album, it's a choice. It's not an accident. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it, I don't want to say it's a sellout, but it's a cop out. Like we don't really have much and this is the easiest shit to play. 
Do yeah. you think that's there's some water to them? I'm postulating now. Okay, no, that makes perfect sense. Think about when the Doors did the soft parade. They had always been jazzy. They do the soft parade. Everybody's like, what are you doing? Who are you? So they went, oh, we're going to do the blues from the rest of the stuff. That's it. Right. That's where we live now. That and that's and they tour, blues. And they even tour with John Lee Hooker. Right. And they never came out of that. Of course, Jim died, but had Jim not died, they, they were never still. coming out of it. That's where Jim wanted to live anyway. Well, had, had Jim not died, I don't think Jim could have done another record. If you listen to yeah, his vocals yeah, on L.A. Woman, it, it listen to The Doors, then listen to L.A. Woman back to back. I love L.A. Woman, but yeah. It's, I do. It's my, it's my favorite record, but that he had, you know, two bottles of scotch and three packs of Marlboro Reds a day took a toll mm. on that once angelic voice. So, but yes, that's where they lived then. And there, you know, Metallica never went blues. They went bluesy here and there. Kirk did anyway. But once you go blues, yes, it is a great time when you have nothing. Because, you know, you were singing the riff to Roadhouse Blues. That riff is three notes. Yeah, you knew. And it's one, one tritone and three notes, pedal. Yeah. That's all I got. And so I think when Nikki is the guy that drives the band, is the guy, and he's got barely anything in the tank, that's what he came up with. Now I'm going to say at times it works. And now let times, me. It does not work. Let me say there's very similar things going on in, the, in these respective bands from Soft Parade to Morrison Hotel and from Theater of Pain to Girls, 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 which is the main songwriters are fucking strung out and distracted. And then what happens? Oh, well, we can play blues. They got nothing. They got nothing. Yeah. When, well, well, heavy metal not let them make a record, but like there was no stopping this. When you've sold 8 million records in five years, suddenly, especially the last two albums back to back for a major label, there's no getting off the train. No, the train, <clears throat> they will kick your ass on the train. Have you seen, and when it's in, sorry, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. I'm, I'm so Going back to the Elvis movie, which I'm going to go back to that well a lot. I haven't seen it yet, so try, I mean, like we know the story, but like there's a scene where they're taking Elvis. It's, I think this is like one of the beginning scenes of the movie too. They're they're taking Elvis to the stage, and he collapses on his way to the stage. Hmm. So they go get the bucket because they already had a plan, and they you know they do the comfortably numb on him, and that's what happens when a self-destructive band is making money band-aids 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 do not stop the train a wheel fell off okay everybody move to one side so we don't put so much pressure on the wheelless side lean due to hazard lean correct so that's what happens with motley crew oh you sold they probably had sold about 10 million records at least at this point and I'm going to point out, they still haven't gotten to their number one seller yet. Or their best work. Correct. That's the same record, shockingly. Yeah, what a shock. So, next week. Yeah, next week. So we now go into the studio. What I didn't know about this record is The Wild Side is on it. So The Wild Side is an abject Motley Crue banger, classic, top of the heap. That's great. I, and I guess we can just go into the track by track at this point on this. And So here's a funny thing, since Wild Side is the first song on the record, 
it feels like a rewrite of Livewire. That's because it is. Like a slow rewrite of Livewire. There's a lot of retread. Not only did they go blues, but they went, what did we do that hit? Let's do that again. Do it more. And I mean, a lot of bands do that. I'm not knocking them. That is that. that a is lot common. of bands do it. All the bands do it. Actually, every band does. If we did something good, do it again. Mm-hmm. Very few bands are like do it again differently. Pink Floyd, Rush, do it again drastically differently. David Bowie, but like, or do it again better. Metallica, Metallica, but not here. <laughs> I'm kidding. They didn't do it better. They did Unforgiven again. It wasn't better. No, but I don't mean that. Go ahead. I do. All right. But yeah, every every band when they get a hit, they do it again. So, but I would argue they did Live Wire better this time. This is better than yeah. Live Wire. Yeah, The Wild Side's a good track. This is a great album opener. It is one of the best Motley Crue songs. It might be the best Motley Crue song. How about that? It might be, you can make an argument, it is in the top five, and it might be the best song they ever made. It Very is. Clean, well, musically, guitar solo, Vince's tracking, and that's the thing. So I was alluding to the story that Nikki was so out of it, and, like, also Vince would buy him heroin, like, slip him heroin or have other people, like, just, hey, dude, I got some, you know, some black tar for you. And he'd be too fucked up to be in the studio, so Vince would go, one take. That's what Vince likes to do. Vince wants to do one take, and unless it completely sucks for him, he doesn't want to redo it. And Nikki, who worships Gene and Paul, beat that horse. mentioned Kiss, wants to beat that horse to death until it's perfect. Gotta do it again and again until it's right. Limitless similarities between Vince Neil and Ace Freely, by the way. Ace Freely's a one-take guy on everything. He oh, wants, yeah. He doesn't want to do takes and takes and takes. Not, not he, And he doesn't even necessarily finish his solos in one go. Right. He'll do a solo, do a solo, do a solo, and then then they'll chop it. Yeah, that's it. And then he's got to learn it. Which, there's nothing wrong with that system. Nice it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's fine. So I would, you know, the wild side is definitely better than anything off of Too Fast for Love. Mm-hmm. And is the Wild Side the song that is the Lord's Prayer inverted or some shit? Yeah. Like, so Ow, Nikki had this idea. Yeah, Nikki had this idea to take the because the band was getting you know, a lot of heat and controversy and this and that. Um, shout at the devil, getting protesters and stuff like that. Nikki had the idea: let us court trouble and let us let us take the Lord's Prayer and turn it satanic, basically. Turn it into a mockery, which, you know, I don't have a problem with, actually. I think, you know, religion is begging to be lampooned. And I wish, uh, I'll say this, I wish Merciful Fate hadn't tried that. A lot of bands have tried A lot of bands have done it. You know what? It, when you, whenever you do a parody of the Lord's Prayer, there's even a blues version of the Lord's Prayer uh, about winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, it was silly till they did, but uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's it's done oh, to you mean death. the St. Louis blues. You don't mean the blues. Sorry. Yeah, say, I'm sorry. The St. Louis When you say blues. the blues, I only think of the blues music. I don't think of the St. Louis. This is a hockey podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, sometimes. Uh, speaking of sports, I did put down a uh, deposit on the XFL St. Louis team unknowingly. My buddy texted me and he said, all right, I put your deposit down. Oh, fuck. I said I was going to buy a season ticket this time. So I'm like, well, hats are on me, I guess. Um. Anyway, so yes, the St. Louis Blues. There, I see it all the time, like for every playoff game on Facebook, and I'm like, "You guys are turds. Stop this. You're, you're 45." But yeah, so the Wild Side is definitely better than anything off Too Fast for Love. It is definitely better than anything off a of Theater of Pain. Uh, Shout at the Devil, the track. 
There are songs on Shout of the Devil that rival the Wild Side, not just Shout of the Devil. So I'm going to leave Shout of the Devil alone and say, I think I think what you have here in the first few tracks of this album. First track. First track. First couple of tracks on this album are exceptional. Oh, and yeah. It's not good. But like no, no, it the other past records don't have one song as good as the Wild Side, which is a shame because they're also huge hit records that are decent to good. Correct. So With then occasional we move, mo- moments of terrible. Then we move on to girls, girls, girls. Now, listening back to that, it's a little hard because it's a little. It's it's very of the time, and uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you guys could have all the groupies in the world you want for free, and I have read about what you have done. Presently, reading nothing but a good time, the story of the Sunset Strip. And there's a story about Vince Neil penetrating a lady in a bar, a hotel bar with a beer bottle. I wish you hadn't done this. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, he didn't have to pay for it. So they're going to strip clubs and they're paying so for girls, it. Girls, Girls, Girls is about strippers and not yes. groupies. So first of all, and Correct. groupie is not a terrible word because as Dee Snyder said today on in an interview, you can't erase history. You can't go oh. redact history there have been male and female and others groupies oh, yeah. throughout time immortal of all music from going back to the blues people in bands are fu- in- inherently fuckable whatever walk of life you come from whatever parts you have down there multiple singular whatever junk and so girls 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 is a strip club anthem it is about she name checks strip clubs in the song they yeah, do like it a 15 few other of them times. yeah they do it and they're all well renowned they're not mm, yeah they're big ones they're not out of business. They're all still pretty big. Um, and some of the other ones you might know from popular culture were not formed yet in 1980-whatever-this-is-seven. Seven. So, Scores, for example, in New York, which has many rap songs written about it and other things. So, you know, just a thought. Like, yes, he's objectifying women. Yes, it's gross. He's not talking about girls they meet at the show. It's not King of the Nighttime World, and you're my headlight queen. Oh, my God, I just got that. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's talking about women they pay to dance on them. So I'm not making a distinction other than to say, yes, he's objectifying women. It was done all the time. There are worse songs than this song. It is a hell of a riff. It is a very catchy song. Vince sings very well on this song. Let's give Vince some credit on these two songs. He sounds really good. There's no double tracking. Nicky was not there for this these songs, and he clearly didn't was too inebriated to complain. And Vince sounds very confident and strong on these tunes. I'm gonna give credit where credits due. Is Girls 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 like an immortal song? For a lot of people, there's a whole culture around it. Bikers, strippers, rock fans, they all kind of overlap in a weird Venn diagram. And yeah, I think it is a little troublesome that that is one of their most popular songs and people just lose their shit when they hear it. Riff is great. Mick is great. Again, there's a lot of arguments about whether, you know, Nikki has written a mass share of crew riffs and, and played them, actually. But Mick is a great guitar player. His tone on this whole record is really good because the music's not that demanding. So there's a lot of room to sound good. Tommy sounds thunderous. Bass sounds okay because, you know, Nikki's out of it. But Mick sounds wonderful. Like, the guitar sound on here is incredible. And, uh, again, these two, you know, you cannot like Girls, Girls, Girls because it doesn't hold up in 2022, but it's still a banger of a song. 
And these two songs to start, I don't think they have a record that starts with two songs as strong as this. Not one record. At least not at this point. Next one, we'll see, but no. Let me clarify. No no groupie denigration whatsoever. You know, I am... Whatever you want to do, I don't care. As long as they're, you know, as long as everybody consents and everyone has the capacity to consent. Totally cool. Great. Have a great time. I'm just confused by it. Anyway, not the point. Point is, this is a great song. I mean, it's objectively great. It's also objectifying. It's objectively objectifying. However, he is objectifying people that get paid to be objectified. It's... It's it's a tricky situation, so it's best to just you know pump your fist and whatever, raise your lighters in the air. It's the same old situation. It is. We'll get to that next week. Please stop. Uh, but you know what? When you go back to these '80s albums, especially on the Sunset, it gets a little bit greasy. Mm. And the lyrics on this one are a bit greasy. And yes, it is a strip club anthem. The one time in my life I was in a strip club, I did hear this song. Also, a couple kid rock tunes, but we're going to leave that alone. Oh, fuck that guy. I know, fuck that. You know what? I'm just going to point out, uh, that guy is the greatest cultural appropriator for profit the world has ever known. That's a quite a statement. That's what he does. He culturally appropriated African-American culture, made millions. Then when that stopped paying off, he culturally appropriated the South. And he's just living on that because conservative Southerners will just throw their money at godlike godlike figures. But moving on to the next track. Now, this one is considered to be a comeback song, a great song. Uh, That's wrong because this song is fuck terrible. It is Dancing on Glass. This is what happens when you write songs on heroin for a major label. It's awful. It's stupid. I, again, I imagine it's another strip club song. What else? Unless it's a drug reference. I don't think meth was called glass back then. But unless it's a drug reference, I can't imagine what this song is about, except more strippers. You know what it could be? Like Dancing on the Runway? It's just not. Put Them on the Glass by Sir Mix-a-Lot. It's just not a good song. You know what? Sir Mix-a-Lot is problematic, but damn. I don't know. Sir Mix-a-Lot is my hero. Baby got back. I got that on vinyl. Don't Put say it I don't. Down. Put it My down. wife, we saw him in concert at the uh, 90s hip hop dance party tour. My wife looks at me and she goes, why don't we have this? Hang on, That's let me get my phone. Your wife is amazing. Done. You keep that one. Um, <laughs> what do you call it? I was in a record store and they had sex packets next to Mix-A-Lot next to Beasties. And I was like, this is a righteous place. I like it. You know what? I have that too. I know you do. I, know. I bought a Swedish version of that one. I know you did. I saw it. I saw it in the store it, for a lot less than you paid, so I didn't buy. I only it paid thirty one. bucks. Oh, okay, that's how much it was. And then, but of course, oh, then sure. they, then they dropped down. Then they dropped out like like a month after I got the fucking thing. They dropped like an official because the, all the vinyl versions were cut from the the original pressings. Then they dropped like a colored complete version of the album with the songs that didn't even make it. And I'm like, you sons of bitches. That's the one I saw. Every time I do that, they, they re-release us. Anyway, so uh, Dancing on the Glass sucks. Uh, just for the record, we are now past the point of this album where I'm going to be complimentary. Yeah, it's pretty. It I is all... Another good song. Okay, you know, uh, let me look through... Well, let's read them off. Let's go through No, there is not. Uh, Next is Bad Boy Boogie. So, going back to when you got nothing, you play the blues. This is not terrible, but it's not good. Okay. 
I don't think this is a terrible song. I just think it's marginal. This song would not have been on Theater of Pain. No. None of it's these not, songs would have been on Theater of Pain except the first two. It's not good enough is what I mean. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So, but also Theater of Pain also tops out at a certain level. What's going on here, San Francisco? Jesus. Um, you sound like my neighborhood. Uh, moving on from Bad Boy Boogie to the short little track, Nona. This it's horrible. Is, it's Somebody's filler. grandma died doesn't deserve a song. If if you love this woman, make a better song to her. You know, it's like a buddy of mine used to say about uh, Robin's song from the, the Union record, which I final checked a couple of weeks ago. You know, if you really wanted her back, you should have written a better song. Yo! So, uh, yeah, and that's, you know, if you really love your grandma, uh, one, write a whole song. Okay, look, yeah. D was a special thing. You're not Randy Rhodes. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Like that little picked intro. I mean, it's not good. It's just bad. There's no lyrics to it. He's just like wailing Nona. Whoever's Nona it is, I'm sorry that she died, but this shit's terrible. You didn't do her any justice. Look, we all die. Let it come. Move on. I'm sorry, that was cold. Let's flip the record. Now, this next track, people think is really good. They are wrong. <laughs> Holy shit. Is five years dead? Yeah, it's not good. I don't even know what is going on in your head to write that down and go, "Oh, fuck!" This is so. No, it's not. It's it's. This is a shitty Stephen King movie called Jacob's Ladder, and I got nothing. I'm 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 too riled to go on. You take over. Oh no, I wasn't ready. You have to keep going. Oh shit. Okay, next is okay. Here we go. Now you want to get to. Okay, we got nothing. What do we do? Dude, rock and roll all night. Fuck yeah. So now we have the Motley Crue edition of Rock and Roll All Night in the name of dot, dot, dot. And it's rock, by the way. Interestingly enough, Kiss also, 30 years later, comes out with All for the Love of Rock and Roll, which seems like a ripoff of this one now that I'm looking back, which is the most meta thing I have ever heard. Motley Crue rips off, Kiss writes a song, Motley Crue rips it off, and then Kiss rips off Motley Crue ripping off them set off Kiss. This is messed up and terrible. Say something. Yeah, I agree. I was just calling up the album so I could take over from you because I could see you're struggling badly. Um, uh, no, no, I'm, it was only two yeah, more. Yeah, all in more. the name of is bad. Um, I might as well keep going. There's only three left. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is awful. I mean, there have been times in these series where only ever when I've picked the series, because, you know, when you pick the series, it's never we never have these existential dreads of, oh, fuck, I've got to listen to this record tonight, today because I listened I, to this record twice today. The original version that's uploaded on audio on YouTube. And then I listened to the remaster and the remaster is not appreciably better. Holy shit. I listened to a rip of a Japanese CD. This uh, Also the same way I listened to Theater of Pain, I think. No way. Is that right? No, no. Too Fast for Love. That's how it's Too Fast for Love. So, uh, but it's still, the songs are still the same. So it doesn't really help. Next, we move on into Sin for Nothing. Something. And yeah. this one, you know, this, this album has a lot of superfluous uh punctuation in the titles <laughs> which i chortled that's great which, punctuation 
<laughs> which works well Too with many super- periods and umlauts and fucking right and they got superfluous punctuation in the name of the band so i mean well, it, it's on brand i guess but something for nothing okay again this is the kind of shit you write when you're 13 and all you know is g-a-d and that's what we have okay i want something but i got nothing oh i know let's get something for nothing and that's what we have we have a nothing burger wrapped up in a hot dog bun that a dog chewed on this song is bad who so this was a single yeah and a hit arguably okay you know what 83 in the top 100 and 23 on the uk singles chart can i just point out that betty white was everywhere back in the 80s and i don't mean the lady from the golden girls (laughs) okay you mean cocaine yes i do a michael kane michael kane michael michael kane was everywhere so i could see how djs are snort you know if i were a dj with a lot of cocaine back in the day especially in the 80s when they still use records what i would do is i would line up the cocaine on the record and see if i could snort it before the needle touched it by the way in the motley crew timeline of music this Uh is the single between wild side and dr feelgood holy shit wow it was banned from it was banned from mtv at one point holy fuck explains why i never heard it uh it was, was it banned for being awful banned or a for lewd violence video? and nature of the lyrics there was there's, a, there's okay. a lot it's a it's kind of like a love song but it's like the it's a murder suicide love murder thing and the video was like yeah we can't show this more than once there's a lot of allusion to murder there's a body bag and a dead woman in it and knives and blood <sighs> but it was like that it's not the murder's not shown on screen but the video was banned pretty immediately so all right you can you can court controversy you can't bend over it and skull fuck it i mean nicky would if he could uh, give him a lot of considering how wrecked he is at this time in his life he dominated this record for worse it's a shame that they don't have another person like Mick or no one else could step up and just be like, yo, Nikki, take off this record and just play bass and we'll write the songs. They don't have that person in the band. Yeah, he they was not have fi- a second person. No, and he was finger fudging stupidity. So that's and, and it's all not... I need is pretty terrible. No. OK, I wanted to talk about that one. Um, have you ever heard of the song Home Sweet Home? Hmm. And how Let's great home sweet home was let's do it again let's do it again but on heroin yeah that's this <clears throat> that's this yeah I'm bad uh um, yeah don't write songs or play songs on heroin it does not mm. work and really just don't do heroin i mean it's dangerous uh so let's finish this out with the dumbest idea you can come up with we're good at covers because we got a hit song with a cover let's do another cover who are we going to do? So they covered Elvis. Uh, Jailhouse Rock. Which, you know, maybe that was a little insensitive, covering a song about being in jail. After He just Vince, got out of being in jail? Yeah, for killing a dude. Well. Look, man, you know, maybe I'm thinking about it too much. You probably are. Clearly, they probably didn't think about it this much. Elvis is still, was still, is still a beloved person in rock music. I don't think so. 
uh, written by Lieber and Stoller. Stole because he stole everything from black people. And Elvis is a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. He's a straight up... Anyway, you know the words if you don't be public enemy. But uh, not a good song to cover. Not a good song for them to cover. And they did it live, and that's the version that's on the record. Holy so it's, hell. It's not a good song. It's not good for them to cover. And they did it bad. Lee. They did it poorly. Vince is horrifyingly terrible on this. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, he did have enough lung power to sing an entire lyric at once and then take a break and then get to the next one, which makes it better than most performances in the past 20 years. However, that's a low bar. And yeah, he is the least troubling thing on this record, which is really telling you the whole story. And this is a huge hit record. So huge, by the way, that it would have been number one, except for a little old record, by Whitney Houston, Whitney, which is the late 80s version of Thriller with eight top ten singles, including seven number ones. Holy fuck. Okay? You can't quantify how that's like a Beyonce today, like unrivaled hit success. That's the only reason this wasn't the number one record in the world, because Whitney was came out the same week and dominated. Okay? And it's fucking terrible. This record is pretty bad. The first two songs are awesome, and I... Don't hate Bad Boy Biggie, uh, Bad Boy Boogie as much, but the entire rest of the record is unlistenably horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, actually made a, a, a an offer to trade for a co- an original pressing of this one on Twitter the other day. If he comes back and says yes, I'm going to say, uh, you know what? I listened to it. <laughs> the mistake was I listened to it, and now I can't take it. Yeah, now I don't want. What were you going to trade? I have to know. We hadn't worked that out yet. Oh, okay. I'm like, hey, if you ever want to trade that that Molly Crew record, let me know. But yeah, now I've heard it, the so I don't want to do Nick that. Things Nick does that his wife probably doesn't know about, man. Um, no, she'd be happy if I got it till she heard it. Let's let's talk let's talk about some pluses on this record that have nothing to do with the music. Um, okay. There are additional artists on this record, according to the Wikipedia. John Perdell is a name we have talked about before. He produced Queen uh, Quiet Riot Three, and he was a guest musician on a lot of their records and other people. This record also has I don't know the um we didn't talk about it because it's horrible on um dancing on glass and a couple of other songs you hear a woman's voice we haven't even talked about it because the singing is not the problem on here but you hear Phyllis St James who's a pretty solid well known backing singer at this time in the eighties the problem with this album it's I'm gonna quote the the Scorpions from Aquafine Hunger Force I just think the song sucks <laughs> well done. Uh, and Pat Torpy, who went on to play in Mr. Big a few years later, is also credited as an additional musician on here for percussion. Going to point um, out that there's a dude named Tommy Funderburk. Now, I don't know if I remember the name Tommy Funderburk or not, but I do remember Lance Funderburk, who was the backup quarterback for the Arizona Rattlers back in the 90s. Why do you know this? Because I love the Rattlers. They were my favorite arena football team. What do you mean, why? Why do you have a favorite arena football team? Arena football's all I like every you football had the Saint, You had the Rams and the Cardinals in your city. Why would you have an arena team that you I like? I love arena. I like arena football better. Okay. And Canadian football better. Uh, this is the last album produced by Tom Werman, who, again, they continue to shit on to this day. Like, he's the problem. He only oh, I know. He sell, like, most of their records that they made were with him until the Oh next my week. God, all they did was sell 10 million records with him at the helm. Yeah. What uh, a fuckhole. It's, it's more like 14 million records with him at that. Like uh, He signed the band. Even the shit that they put, the shitty version 
of Too Fast for Love, that he put his neck on the line to get them the record contract and get them Roy Thomas Baker and all that shit. He made that happen for them. So he's intrinsically linked to most of their success until the next record when he's not involved. And, and believe me, he on went on to produce other people, and they shit on him to this day like he wasn't at least partially to do with their success. Uh, also, interestingly enough, the assistant engineer, one of the many assistant engineers on this record, is a young Toby Wright, who would go on to be phenomenally involved with the grunge scene and produce many Alice in Chains records, among oh, other huge bands. He did, uh, other bands. he did Kiss's Carnival of Souls. He did Carnival of Souls. He did a lot of stuff. That guy's discogs is amazing. So He's got a couple of bucks. There's there's some name people that help make this record. The album cover's not there. We've got motorcycles. Like, you know, it's just the most tropey fucking thing ever. Um, you know, this is the least good of their hit records. Is that fair? Or is this not is this somehow worse than Too Fast for Love? I think the bottom songs on Too Fast for Love are worse than all this. But the great songs on Too Fast for Love, or the very, they have more very good songs. Ah, it's hard to measure. I don't know. It's hard to quantify. See, the problem with Too Fast for Love is most of it's terrible and recorded poorly. And the problem with this is most of it's terrible and it's recorded well. Well, recorded really well. I still feel like those first two songs on here are banger A's. Even if Girls, 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 like, rankles you weird. Those two songs are A tier. Those and are then, A. No, no, those the, are A plus two. And then those three are probably... to nine are all C to F. And diminishing, and uh, just throw out the covers garbage anyway. Just you're gonna say there's a C in there? I did not. I mean, I mean, Bad Boy Boogie's like a C. It is not. Okay. You okay? We started this album off. We were like, "What do you do when you got nothing? You play the blues." Well, here is the fucking blues tune with the bottleneck slide, and you're like, "It's not." And you're like, "It's not bad." Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. You have the Stockholm syndrome. A little bit. Not with this band. I mean, it's other no, bands. No, with this, with this like, song. With this song, you have got Stockholm maybe. Syndrome. I don't know. Dancing Glass yes. is terrible. Okay. That, Own is terrible. Fighters no, no, no. No, I'm not, I'm not done with Bad Boy Boogie. I'm going to – I still got to berate you over this one because I am confused and you have upset me. And I, Nick, I, is, I, Nick is the Death Star and I'm the Millennium Falcon. That's no move. That's no oh, berating Keefe. Correct. So – it, it is the blues song, and they're just like, no, 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 bad boy, <laughs> chicks and titties, and let's go to the club. I mean, that's the whole yeah. song. It's yeah. no, it's it, it is the best song of everything after the two good ones, but it's it's still awful. It is still a D song at I, best. Here's a, here's a random thing. I was in high school when this came out. How many horrifying, how many poorly unthought of un like how many children were made during this like listening to this record how many poor <sighs> children were jizzed into the world accidentally because of this record like okay okay you know i'm gonna point out one thing right now fuck. you cannot say a fucking thing about anything i said today because you just you just scraped the bottom of the bucket did i i don't think yeah, so you did <laughs> jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> what a Too, okay I'll, I'll say this much too many yeah. Uh, do you got anything else? There's a bonus tracks from the remaster. Oh, no, that are not worth hearing. No, there are live. There are live records. I don't know why. There's a there's a, TV, a live. There's a live tracks on the bonus. There are uh, the unbanned music video version is on a DVD version of this from 2017. Yeah, I don't need that. I think they're gonna do 
like in this planned not out yet version of I don't think they did they do the remaster yet of this they might have I wouldn't get it but like it's out there or uh, maybe it's coming I don't know if they left anything in the tank the last two years and they just did them all this actually was one of their first big tours in terms of stage show this is the first time arenas yeah tommy does a huge drum solo bit where his drums his drums rise up over the stage and come out while he's wearing his little leather thong and chaps glitter thong and glitter chaps which knowing what we know now about tommy makes total sense because he's accentuating the positives uh so that's cool it's it's neat that they're they're branching out and doing cool things on stage. I have no idea what the show sounded like. I do know that Vince Neil was so out of it on this tour, his stage raps were literally written down next to the set list. Hello, so, Cleveland. So that way he didn't get his stage raps wrong. That is how little they trusted Vince Neil's everything on this wow. tour. So. How about this? this That's record, a mess. Yeah, he's a hot mess. How about this, though? This record came out 70 days before Appetite for Destruction. Now, granted, Appetite it's not fair to compare the two, but Appetite for Destruction doesn't really hit for a year and a half. Right? A 15 months at the minimum until it becomes a big deal when they go on tour with Aerosmith. Uh, yeah, I remember, God, I want to say I was in eighth grade. But that, which would have been eighty nine ninety. Yeah, but that record came out seventy days after this. They were already competitors. GNR was the up and coming scrappy band in the LA scene. This is, this is Crew's third quadruple platinum record in a row. Maybe it wasn't quadruple platinum at that time, but it would go on to be quadruple platinum. I think it's important to make those distinctions. But GNR Appetite for Destruction is absolutely flawless, and this is garbage except for two songs. Uh, I would also make the point that this is Guns N' Roses doing their close. I'm not sorry. This is Motley Crue doing the closest they can do to Guns N' Roses, because it's it's a it's a very similar kind of record. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'm sure they were spying on. I mean, they they were aware of each other. They played together. Oh, yeah. They would hang out with each other. There was a time they were friends. Well, Nikki Six was in the bands that the dudes from Guns N' Roses yeah, were in. They're all overlapping friends of friends and right. girlfriends and all those and things. London. And love the mighty London. So I mean, yeah, and I would imagine that there they may have heard something, which led them down the bluesier path. However, when Guns N' Roses does it, they do blues rock and not just flat out blues. Both both these albums are very much uh, of the time of the strip. Both both very much drug records. Both very much recorded at the same time, same influences you know, swaps, all that kind of business. However, one of those two bands just wrote way better songs. By the way, I don't want to bag on anybody, but I guess I'm going to. I do, because I'm that guy. I'm a mediocre white guy. I got to bag on dudes. Metal Hammer called Girls, 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 one of the top 20 best metal albums. All metal, which this album has none of. Not even arguably. Wild Side's glam metal. Top 20 metal albums of 87. This record. Hmm. Next to Guns N' Roses, Motley, you know, their Motley Crue, Anthrax, Death. See, I wouldn't even call Guns N' Roses metal, though. Really? Well, I mean, they're throwing a blanket over everything, but like... 
Did Dio not put a record out this year? I think this is the one year Dio doesn't have a record. I mean, White Snake, Testament, The Legacy, Voivod, Killing, like Schizophrenia by Sepultura, Sabotage Hall or Mountain King, Tribute by Ozzy, even Man of War. That record is better than it. I mean, I hate Man of Fire and Steel. Man of War is a shitty band. I'm sorry for anybody who's offended. I've never liked them. So it's a not good band. Good riffs, nothing else. I have nothing. Got nothing else for me. Just guitar riffs. Don't love the song. Like leave this just the guitar tone and the song riffs. Isn't so far so good. So what come out this year as well? I think it did. I mean, you can argue that it's you know chunky and clunky, but uh, but it's mercifully short. Among the Living, Bathory, Celtic Frost, Into the Pandemonium, Def Leppard, Hysteria, Scream, Bloody Gore, Introduce Yourself, Abigail, Keeper of the Seven Keys. How is Girls, Girls, Girls on this list? There's surely not... some other records. Yeah, Megadeth's not on here. Whoa. Maybe that was 80. No, it... maybe no. 88. Yeah, maybe. Hang on, let me grab it. It doesn't. I don't want you to grab it, please. It's right here. Ugh. I feel like it's 87, but... I could it is 87. It. Yeah, they're, they're on drugs, though. That's the one record Dave said he can't save, which is a tragedy. It's I got lo- some good I tracks. Love that. I love that record. No, just the recording is so bad that the, even the master tapes are garbage and they can't... Do I don't it. even... I, I, I disagree. I've had it on cassette, CD, and now vinyl. I've no, got no, original no. pressing vinyl. It's, saying, I think I it love sounds that re- I love that record. No, he, like, he's, the, he's saying, like... He, couldn't the master the, they were so oh i see up. what you there mean. was okay. they did one take everything he thinks it's just a terrible sounding record i don't think you can be wrong it's fine uh so I, I guess nothing else i sum up on this one is this album is terrible this album is awful to a degree that cannot be quantified i regret at that at the moment that i got to the third track on this album i regretted all my choices again and molly crew is really up and down they are exceedingly uneven, but it's all going to be worth it for the next record. And we're, we're not ready to announce the next series, right? Because we're still going to do a chaser after next week and then do the new series. So next week we should announce the new series. I don't even know what the series is. It's we your didn't pick. Really de- we were battling back and forth about what it should be. and we were. It's your pick. It's fine. Trading with each other. We will like, trade it. I was going to let you have another one so I would get the next one. If oh, do we want to do that? You had a specific one you wanted for the aughts. Eh, we'll skip the odds next. We'll skip the odds. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I got nothing. Anyway, we're, we're, this is shop talk. This is not podcast talk. So, I uh, I, I have nothing else. I regret this and I'm sorry. All right. You have to take us home. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for, for listening. As we mentioned, please like subscribe and Dutch rudder, the Glacier musical podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and Twitter, I guess, uh, Instagram, whatever. Check out ghost cult mag for the best editorials, news, reviews, and sexy, keepy videos. Uh, I, of course, am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, 10 years strong. I am joined, as always, weekly by Keefe, the man, the myth, the legend, editor and owner of ghostcultmag.com. Thank you for listening. As always, you have we play, but we don't play in Peoria. <laughs>